The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed. I'll be your host for the show. I'm really excited to be with you on what is actually not a snowy day for a change. Uh, Here on the East Coast, it seems like we've had more than our share of snow. And today was actually pretty good. And it is now the Easter Bunny has hopped away. And it seems like we're kind of starting to get back into the real swing of things. I just returned last week from teaching my comprehensive course in New Jersey, where uh, actually what I found was that there were so many people that were asking a lot of questions about older babies. And so it seemed to me like maybe that was a good thing for, for everybody to hear about. You know, it seems that after the first few weeks of adjustment, Many mothers come to feel like they and their baby have gotten the hang of breastfeeding. You know, for some of them, they just kind of latched on, did self-service, and life was good. But from latching through feeding, all seems well in the beginning. But really, breastfeeding is a journey. It's not a destination. There are a number of developmental changes at about six months of age that can present Really some new challenges for mothers who aim to go the distance and breastfeed for a year or two years or more. Now, where are you in that journey? Maybe you've offered solids and maybe with no luck. Maybe the baby has some moments when he's distracted and he turns away. And sometimes he does that without letting go of your nipple. Not good. Maybe you're concerned about teething. Maybe you're concerned that people have told you that baby isn't getting any uh, anything that's important by now. I've heard that a lot. Maybe you're concerned about continuing to nurse a baby who has teeth and may actually bite. Or maybe you're real spooked because some of your friends or family have said he will bite. You know, some babies do, some babies don't. And sometimes, maybe you've heard about nursing strikes, and maybe you're having a little difficulty figuring out the difference between a nursing strike and the baby self-weaning. Those are really two different things. So, I'm hoping that today, I can give you some practical tips on how to solve those issues. And what I'm going to do is give you a little bit of an outline about how I'm going to tackle this today. So, in the first 
segment, I'm going to talk about what I call brain and benefits. And then when we come back for the second segment, I will talk about cues and readiness to have solids. I might even throw in a little bit on growth spurts if we have time. In the third segment, I plan to talk about what I call the who, what, where, when, how, and how much as related to offering solids or semi-solid food. You know, you would think, oh, well, food is food and kids are all pretty much the same or food is all pretty much the same, and that's really not true. Actually, formula-fed kids react differently to solid or semi-solid foods than breastfed kids react. And so I'd like to take you through that a little bit so that you have a little bit of logic before you dive into that and say, whoops. And then finally, in the fourth segment, I'm going to talk a little bit about nursing strikes. Seems to me that people sometimes don't really recognize when it happens, or even if they know that it happens, they don't always know how to deal with it. And a little bit on biting, since that was in my email this week. So I'm going to try to take on biting and some of those related issues. So I hope that that's kind of a, a preview of what we're going to talk about tonight. I also just want to make you aware of a couple of things that have been new in the breastfeeding world in the last, I don't know, couple of days, week, whatever. Sometimes when I get on the road, all the days and nights all kind of look the same to me. But especially for you professionals, you should know that the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine has just released, as in April 1st released, the Guidelines for Breastfeeding and Substance Abuse or Substance Use Disorders. Now, bottom line is, substance abuse isn't good for anybody, all right? So, that hasn't changed. But, one of the problems with being a professional is that you know that some people actually have been into the substance abuse scene and oh by the way they're pregnant and oh by the way they're breastfeeding and you kind of know how this whole story goes so I would suggest to you that if you have not seen that it just came out in the last couple of days you should see it and they address I'm I'm just hitting the highlights here Uh, they address opioids narcotics nicotine alcohol Uh, marijuana, that is cannabis, and uh, then they give some general cautions and conclusions, and then a ton of references. There are, mm, I'm thinking 58 of those here. So you might want to take a look at that. And if I didn't warn you earlier, I want to alert you that the breastfeeding medicine folks also put out a statement last year on contraceptives as related to breastfeeding. And their bottom line with that was something to the effect of they couldn't reassure you that everything was just hunky-dory with breastfeeding if you had a contraceptive. They weren't necessarily saying it was bad. They weren't necessarily saying don't do it, but they were saying there may be some adverse effects. Proceed with caution, basically. And I'm you certainly know I'm paraphrasing there. All right, so I want to talk today a little bit then about breastfeeding this older baby because certainly 
that does work into a little bit of that topic. Now, one of the things that I hear very often is a lot of criticism that people will take about breastfeeding their babies until the baby is six months or nine months or a year or two years or three years or whatever it is old. Now, honestly, I think it's real important for you to understand that this is a parenting decision. For some people, their goal was to get to six months and be done and that was it. Exclusive breastfeeding, we're done, get solids, formula for the rest of the year, here we are. Okay, I respect that decision. I don't have to go home with that baby, it's up to them. But on the flip side, I would say there are the mothers who usually don't say a lot, but very often they are breastfeeding a baby who is substantially older. And I think the point that I want to make about this is that here in the U.S., from a cultural standpoint, mothers really don't get a lot of positive reinforcement for that. I want to move you, though, to the biological norm and to the anthropological norm. And that is very different. All right. So I know that it it might not be for everybody. It might not be for you. I get that. It's okay. But from a biological standpoint, all of us are really designed to survive. You've probably heard me say this before. You're probably sick of hearing me say, but all of this pregnancy and breastfeeding stuff is all rigged. It is rigged for survival of the species. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean that breastfeeding is is really taking the baby into the next generation. This baby is the next generation. And breastfeeding is kind of his way of how he gets from point A to point B. So very often, what I'll hear is, first of all, that there are no protective effects. Well, that's baloney. Certainly, the greatest concentration of the protective effects is in the colostrum the first few days. Right, I agree. But it's not just that. Those protective effects continue. The other piece is that people don't really understand about this survival of the species. We are the only species that drinks another species' milk, as far as I know. So, for example, let me take the horse. Uh, I'm not a horse person. If you are a horse person and if I make a mistake, please, by all means, let me know. But I think I'm, I think I'm pretty good on this, okay? The horse is designed so that when the little horse is born, he gets up, he needs to stand up, he needs to have milk that is going to support long bones and strong muscles to run with the herd. Now, today, pretty much we have horses that are domesticated, but that's not always been uh, the situation. So I guess what I want to say about that is that the horse is going to get milk that is specifically designed for the horse. Okay, good. So that horse is going to get a different kind of milk than the baby because the horse is going to survive by standing up and running with the herd. How is the human baby going to survive? The human baby does not have to run with the herd. 
He does not have to emit a stinky smell like the skunk. He does not have quills that he can release like the porcupine. No, how the human baby survives is his brain. Yes, we humans are really designed to basically outsmart all of the rest of the animals. In order to do that, what do we need? We need to grow our brain with the milk that is ideal for brain growth in humans. And hello, that would be human milk. Have you ever wondered why the baby does not have his uh, anterior and posterior fontanelle, that is the soft spots? Ever wonder why those don't close very quickly? All right. So let's take, for example, um, the the front soft spot that doesn't fully close close until the baby is, it kind of depends on which expert you ask, but 16, 18, 20, 22 months, somewhere around in there. Okay, the reason it doesn't close is that the skull needs to keep growing, and that's because the brain has to keep growing. All right, I am astonished at how many people don't really know this. So what do you want to do? You want to have human milk for human babies. The amount of lipids, or what you probably would call fats, although fats are just one kind of lipid, the proteins and the carbohydrates are all in alignment to grow that brain. And the human milk has cholesterol. Cholesterol is critical for brain growth. It, human milk has taurine which is essential for brain and retinal development. So all of those kinds of things are really there because the baby is designed to be grown in the best possible way. The best possible way is through human milk. I'm Marie Biancuso. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Your life. Your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash donor. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you, too. 
Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. VoiceAmerica.com. Variety Channel. Going Global with Gas Man is the show that you are listening to. And joining me today is Sean Morley from the WWE, otherwise known. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuzzo. Thank you so much for joining me. I would also like to make sure that you take a look at newangel.com. That is N-U-A-N-G-E-L.com. And if you're a professional, make sure that you suggest to the folks that are looking to you for advice that newangel.com has a ton of interesting products, not only for breastfeeding mothers, but also for pregnant mothers and even for oldsters like me. I got to tell you, if I, I love 100% cotton and there is so much that they have there, everything from breast pads to pillows to diapers to you name it. They also are available in Walmart. So take a stroll through Walmart And there's another possibility for you. All right. So before we left for the break, we were talking a little bit about brain and benefits. And now I'd like to move to looking at cues and readiness. Now, maybe when your baby was little, you were thinking about things like hands to mouth. Absolutely. Totally. I agree. Or doing what I would call sucking in the air. The, the tiny babies will do that. Come six months or so, not so much so. You will have a bunch of other 
kinds of things. For example, it may be that the baby is reaching towards the food or reaching out for the spoon. He is not necessarily ready to handle the spoon, but he may be looking for it and really uh, trying to grab it. Very often when they're hungry, they will also use their finger to point to the food. Again, this is something that you would not see in a smaller baby, but you would with an older baby. A lot of times, I can't really describe this, and it's so hard sometimes with just radio when there's no visual, but uh, they'll show a lot of excitement. They just get really excited. Their faces look excited. Their hands and feet and kind of whole body seems as though they're just really, really eager to get to the food. That is a sign of hunger. Another one is that sometimes they'll act kind of fussy when the adults are eating, and it's almost as though the baby is trying to say, hey, how about me? Uh, The other thing you will see, and this is not with solids, but you will see it with nursing in particular, is that the babies will do what I call digging. They kind of take their hands and they're sort of digging into the mother's blouse trying to unbutton a button or just just pawing and digging. Uh, certainly they will continue this in the 6 to 7 to 8 to 9, 10 months old, anywhere around in there. By the time the baby is around 10 months, what you will see is that they really start to show interest in a specific food. Up until now, it's been kind of like, oh, yeah, you're giving me something? Okay, yeah, I might do that. Now, by the time that the baby is getting to be, eh, you know, kind of approaching a year, do not be surprised if the baby asks to nurse. And sometimes, some mothers like to teach their baby sign language. And that's a, a possibility. I would just say, If you're going to have the baby using a word, make sure that it's a word that you don't mind if he says in the middle of the grocery store. All right? (laughs) It's your baby. You can tell him anything you want to. But I'm just saying that's that's something that may happen. Okay. So much then as we talk about some signs of satiety. But what, excuse me, signs of, of hunger. But what about signs of satiety? Now, when the baby was little, you might have been thinking, well, the baby just falls asleep at the breast. Okay, well, that's he's certainly satiated. Okay, got it. Uh, when the baby gets a little older, it isn't necessarily exactly the same way. There is one thing, however, that I think always is a good indicator for a little baby as well as an older baby. And that is what I call changing gears. Now, it's it's a little different with a younger baby versus an older baby, but the principle is still there. So for any of you who have heard me talk about this before, I'll try to explain what I mean by changing gears. Here, what you see is that the baby will be... uh, when he first gets on the breast, he will do these little, little, quick, quick, quick sucks, and then mother has a letdown. Then he has that long, slow, rhythmic suckling. And then what happens is that he's kind of had pretty much as much as he wants, 
And so then what happens is that he will slow down. When you see that slowing down, that is a sign that he has had maybe not enough, but almost enough. And so that is really your guiding light. Definitely your guiding light there. Another thing is, though, they will tend to release the nipple. You may see the baby turning his head away. Um, Sometimes it's really more a matter of slowing down. Older babies suckle much more efficiently than younger babies. But by now, what you'll see is kind of that, that slowing down. Okay, so that means that the baby is starting to be satiated. If he's actually using uh, some sort of a a solid or a semi-solid food, then what you'll see is just a little bit different, which is the baby will basically just um, kind of push it away. And that also is your cue. Baby has had enough or almost enough. Sometimes they'll, they'll clench their mouth shut or use hands to push the food away, or or shake their heads, any of those things. I know I've been a little redundant here, but sometimes these things happen, or happen together, or happen in some babies, but not at all. So there's a whole, a whole gamut of things, but it's not exactly the same. I often feel like, since I have been a hospital nurse for much of my career, I always feel like I teach mothers these things to look at in the young baby, and I don't always do a good job of telling her that's not necessarily going to be exactly the same sign that the baby will have when the baby is older. Okay, it may be sort of similar, but it's not exactly the same. Now, I just want to talk about growth spurts. Growth spurts, I know there's a lot of different descriptions for what growth spurts here. It's not like a teenage boy who... You buy him a pair of pants at the end of the summer, and by fall, when he goes back to school, he's grown out of the the pants, then they're, you know, four inches too short. It's, It's not exactly like that, but it is this time of having sort of a greater need for calories and food. Different experts will tell you different things, but by and large, I would say that growth spurts happen about 10 days about three weeks, about six weeks, about three months, about six months, and again, around nine months, and about a year. Again, those are very uh, rough figures, but if you feel like it's an all-night smorgasbord, it probably is. Baby is still hungry. So, there you go. Uh, Hoping that this is helpful. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for breastfeeding for Born to Be Breastfed. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. 
what's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash good donor. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuzo, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuzo or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. Thank you so much for being with me tonight. Now, In the first segment, we talked a little bit about brain and benefits and how this extended breastfeeding is, from a biological standpoint, very useful. And then in the second segment, we talked a little bit about how those feeding cues are different for an older baby than for a younger baby. And now I want to go through a little bit on kind of the first foods and a little bit about introducing those foods and how it all fits with the breastfed baby. And I'm going to go through what I would call the who, what, where, when, how, and how much. All right. So let's go back to what the American Academy of Pediatrics says. I can't remember their exact wording, but it has something to do with the idea of of offering, offering the food 
the solid or the semi-solid food around six months. If you look at the World Health Organization, they say uh, words like around the middle of the year or the middle of the first year or some such wording. And what that really means is that you are offering it to the baby. I distinctly remember one woman who the baby had turned six months that day and she called me and was just beside herself because the baby simply did not want to take the solid foods. And so basically what I said to her was, the recommendation here is to offer it to the baby. It doesn't mean force it on the baby. It doesn't mean that just because the kid next door is ready, that your baby is ready. So it's really, really important to look at signs that the baby is developmentally ready for solids. And let me take you through a couple of things that I think that you should look for. First of all, make sure that the baby has lost that tongue thrust reflex. I think you know what I mean. Remember how when the baby was little and there was kind of like this this tongue that was always going out, 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 out? Baby's got to stop doing that because otherwise, what's he going to do with the salad foods? He's basically just going to push them right out of his mouth, which, by the way, is why younger babies don't do well with solids. The next thing that I would look for would be, is the baby able to sit with fairly little support? Meaning, if you put him in the high chair, that's, you know, he's got a little bit of support on his back. But basically, he's not, he's not supported. He's kind of sitting there by himself. So I would look for those kinds of things. I would also look to see if the baby is exhibiting interest. For instance, to me, the really big one is when the family is all sitting around, everybody else is eating, and that baby has that look on his face of, hey, what about me? And he's looking a little frustrated or feeling a little fussy or maybe even reaching out for that food. Any of those things start to say, I'm ready for some real food here, folks. All right. Another thing that you might look for is developing of the pincer grasp. Now, I'm doing this with my fingers right now. I realize you can't see it, but the baby is putting his thumb and his first finger together. And when they put the thumb and first finger together, it's usually a little sloppy at first. And then as they become in older infancy, it's very neat. But that also is a sign that the baby is about ready to do little finger foods. Okay? So, sometimes... I'm I'm good with the six months recommendation from the AAP, but just understand it may not be the very day that your baby turns six months old. So, if he if you've offered and if he doesn't accept it, I would say here's the way to problem solve: look and see if a is the baby not quite ready, or maybe he is ready, but he b hates what you're offering, or C, that he doesn't like the way in which you are offering it. Now, any of those things could be possibilities. All righty? So, sometimes it's just a matter of wait for a little bit. Wait for three or four days. Try it again. 
If that doesn't work, wait for three or four days. Try it again. Don't force it onto the baby. It's no big deal. When he's ready, he will let you know. So let's assume that maybe he is ready, but he doesn't really like what you're offering or he doesn't like the way in which you're offering it. This is a place where formula-fed kids act a whole lot different than breastfed kids. Breastfed kids are used to things that taste like something, okay? And that's because the flavors are in the mother's milk. So formula always tastes the same. It always has a very bland taste. So formula-fed kids would probably do just fine with rice cereal or something that tastes very bland. Breastfed kids, not so much so. So I would suggest that you try to look at what might the baby be interested in that has, you know, a little more sweetness. For instance, uh, human milk is very uh, very high in lactose, so it's very sweet. So try something that's kind of sweet, like, for instance, a banana. And the other thing that I would say is some babies don't want that on a spoon. So take a little piece of banana. I don't know how big. I'm kind of doing it with my hand here, like an inch or so. I don't know. And kind of squash the banana a little bit between your fingers and then offer it on your finger. Why so? Well, because the baby is used to taking his food on something that feels and tastes like skin. Your finger is skin. So try that. See if maybe that uh, might be useful. I want to warn a little bit about how first foods, the fruits usually are more easily accepted, but if you give the baby too many fruits without the vegetables, then it's harder to offer the vegetables later, although usually breastfed kids are more likely to take the vegetables than the formula-fed kids. So you could also try maybe some things like pear. And again, if you've got a fresh pear or even a canned pear, you can kind of mush that up a little bit. Uh, Something like apricots. You could cook the apricot just a little bit. Now, in the summer, I know I always like to buy fresh apricots. You could put that in a pan, steam it a little bit with a little bit of water, let it cool, and that might be appealing. One that I think is just great, they're expensive here on the East Coast, but avocado would be excellent. It has that wonderful, I don't know if it's sweet, but it's just yummy. I I just love the taste of the avocado. But it's also soft. It's squishable. That's another good choice. Um, Unsweetened applesauce. Now, you got to watch that. You don't want the the baby getting the sugar. But a lot of brands, or even store brand, really, uh, will offer the unsweetened applesauce. Baby might take that. If you want to go for the vegetables, you might go for something like carrots or green beans. Uh, in my house, I know there's just about every kind of squash. Uh, really, I- I'm kind of a squash junkie. I think if there's any kind of squash that has ever walked the earth, somehow it's been in my house. So cook your squash. And I personally never add sugar to my squash. So if you do add this sugar, you can just keep a little bit out and give that to baby, see how he would do with that. Uh, Beans are another possibility. The only thing I would warn you about the beans is take the 
skins off from the beans, that's a little bit harder to digest. I think I mentioned mashed potatoes. Carrots might be another one. Uh, peaches. Uh, is certainly fresh peaches are best. Canned peaches, not so much so. Any of those things might be possible. All right, I want to go possibly for the where. And by that, what I really mean is positioning. Um, some babies like to be in a high chair. Uh, some babies would rather sit in somebody's lap. So it's up to you. You kind of have to figure out what your baby likes and kind of, you know, go with it. Now, here is another thing. Um, the uh, the sequence in which you offer it. I have seen a lot of mothers who feel like, oh, it's six months, it's time to do semi-solid or solid foods, and so they'll give the baby that first. No, actually, that's not the way in which you want to do this. You want to nurse the baby, nurse the baby, nurse the baby, and then offer some uh, solid foods. At this point, you really want the baby to be getting most of his intake from your milk. Your milk is perfect. He does need the, the solid foods, but offer that secondly. Okay. At this point, solid or semi-solid foods are kind of for, you know, kind of figuring out if he likes it, if he wants to try it. He's kind of monkeying around with it. That's okay. A little play and a little fun. All of that is fine. And the other thing is, just start with really tiny amounts of food. You notice when I was mentioning how much banana, I said maybe an inch or so squash between your fingers, just little bits, okay? And then you can kind of gradually increase the amount of food. Now, also along the lines of the how and the how much is, just offer one thing at a time and then wait about a week before you introduce another food, all right? If it's something that upsets your baby or that he doesn't like or maybe he is allergic to, then just bag that. Not not a good thing, okay? To minimize the risk of allergies, I would suggest that you put off offering any of those things that are on that big eight list. And I don't have that list in front of me, but it's things like peanuts, peanut butter, eggs, uh, soy, which by the way would include tofu, uh, cheeses, any of that kind of, well, cheese really is is a milk, it's a dairy product. But in any event, um, I would I would delay those until after a year if I had a choice. And then the other thing is, you probably already know this, but since I'm on the how and the the how-tos and the what-tos, I'm going to go on the no-nos, which would be babies under a year should not be given honey or corn syrup. Uh, there the risk is for botulism. Alrighty then, I think that about does it for the who, what, where, when, how, and how much. And when we come back, We'll be talking about nursing strikes and some other stuff. I'm Marie Biancuto with Born to be Breastfed. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
what's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash good donor. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuso? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto with Born to Be Breastfed. Hey, listen, I forgot to do a really important thing. I forgot to tell you that you should call in and ask me questions because, honestly, one of the things i found is that sometimes especially with older babies, mothers think they're supposed to know all these things, and so they're too shy to ask. But I should have at least invited you to do that. As it is, we're coming up on kind of the end of the show here, so it's a little late for me to issue that invitation, but it's never too late for you to go to my Facebook. You can leave a comment there. And again, that's Facebook for Born to be Breastfed, not Marie Biancuso, okay? And also... If you'd like, you may send a comment, question, whatever to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. I will repeat that. It is radio at borntobebreastfed.com. And 
uh, you're certainly smart enough to know I'm not going to get back to you instantly, but I would do my best to get back to you uh, within uh, the week. All righty. So we kind of left off talking about that who, what, where, when, and how and how much of how the breastfed baby is a little bit different with offering solids as opposed to the formula-fed baby. And now I want to move to, this is a question that I seem to get actually I actually get it when I am teaching in a course for professionals. They don't know what to say to a mother about when she says, I'm afraid the baby will bite or the baby does bite. All right, I've got 10 things that I was able to list out for you that I think pretty much cover it. And that is, first of all, number one, it is impossible for the baby to get milk at the breast and to bite at the same time all right if he were chewing food that would be different but as a matter of fact because he is suckling he really can't be biting at the same time what is important though is that you watch right from the beginning when the baby latches on when the baby latches on if he has to like crane his neck or strain to latch on in the first place. And I can't exactly explain this, but I've seen babies, I've seen many babies who do this. They're kind of like reaching. That maybe is the word I'm hunting for. If they are reaching for the breast when they first latch on, what happens is when they kind of get through breastfeeding, they start to slip down on the nipple later. And that is what causes the biting. So number key number one then is watch for how the baby latched on right from the get-go. Number two, watch for what I call changing gears. All right? So baby got on, baby had a little quick sucks, baby settled into the next pattern, which is the long, slow, rhythmic sucks. And then he did something different after that. For some babies, they kind of go back to the little sucks. Some babies start uh, being distracted, fooling around, playing, whatever it is they're doing. But watch when he starts that changing gears, when he no longer has that long, slow, rhythmic suck. All right. Number three, be aware of when the baby is slipping down on the nipple, when he's no longer got that nice big mouthful when he is more on the end of the nipple than on the areola. And by the way, it doesn't take very long for that to happen. So really try to really be aware that he's going to slip down, if he's going to slip down, after those long, slow, rhythmic things. Okay? So that's number four. Number five, watch for all those signs of satiety that we just talked about a few minutes ago. Any of those are signs that if the baby is full, he's going to start doing something else. And one of the something else's that he could do would be to bite. Next one, watch for signs of distraction. Because if the baby is finished getting kind of his belly full, so to speak, you'll see that the older baby starts to be looking around and he's playing and he's messing around with your jewelry or something in the background or whatever. Those kinds of things are a distraction 
And that is also when if he's distracted, he doesn't have anything better to do, not, not looking good here. Next thing, offer a teething ring. Very often, the reason that babies are biting really is that they're uncomfortable. So offer a teething ring, preferably a, a teething ring that is um, a cold teething ring. And then give the baby, this is number eight, positive reinforcement like a hug or a uh, you know, an extra nuzzle or whatever when he is doing it correctly and not so much so when he is, uh, if he starts biting, you can say, you can give him the teething ring and you can say to the baby, bite this, not mommy. Bite this, not mommy. I want to warn you against saying no. I know that sometimes mothers will say very sharply, no. And then the next thing I know, they're calling me because they say, I told her no, and now she thinks I mean no breastfeeding, and so now she won't breastfeed at all. Okay, well, that's because she misinterpreted what you were saying. So I realize that wincing or saying no is kind of natural, but it really can backfire on you. So try to know ahead of time that you're going to offer that teething ring, even if the baby's not teething, I suppose you could offer that, and say, bite this, not mommy. And then finally, one that I have not heard in a long time, but when I was young, we were always told, push the baby gently into the breast for like just a second, because what happens is that then the baby will open her mouth. As soon as she opens her mouth, she stops biting. The other thing that you can do if you like forgot to do that is you can Put your finger, I would say your little finger is going to work best, uh, clean finger hopefully, just right in between the nipple and where her teeth are, and that way she's on your finger, not, not your nipple, and what's happened is that you've broken the suction, okay? Now, by the way, that, that thing with pushing the gently uh, into the breast for a, a second or two, that does not work if the baby has a cold or a stuffy nose because then she's just going to be cried. She's just going to cry and be frustrated. Okay. But short of that, very often what will happen is they will just open their mouth if you do it right from the beginning. Now, certainly you don't want to do it for more than a second or two, but very often what happens is they just open right up. Okay, then. That's about as much as I have to say. We covered a whole bunch of ground tonight. I don't know how these hours always go so fast, but we did section one on. Brain and benefit, best thing for the baby, cues and readiness, the what, where, why, when, how, and how much, and then we ended up by talking about biting, and I know I didn't get to nursing strike, but maybe that's for another day. So, it has been, as always, really, really fun to be here with you. Uh, we're getting towards the end of the hour here, and I would like to urge you to visit Born to be Breastfed for a preview of what's coming up. And if you're a professional interested in professional education about breastfeeding and lactation, remember, I'm your source for evidence-based practice and education on the web. And sometimes in your city, if you'd like to sign up for a course, that is www.breastfeedingoutlook.com. Don't forget about our Facebook and don't forget to send me uh, an email as well. 
I'm Marie Biancuso, and I promise that I will help you to bust through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby.